Love and Law showcases amazing lawyers globally who are bringing their own style of love into legal practice. Where there is love, there cannot be fear. Welcome to our show. Hello everyone and welcome back to Love and Law Live. My name is Virginia Warren. I'm a legal conflict alchemist and co-founder of the organisation called Lawyers for Love. At Lawyers for Love, we see that the legal uh, the legal prison... <laughs> <laughs> the legal system in its present form uses fear-based techniques to solve problems. It says, love thy neighbour, else we will punish you. It acts as if you still need a parent. Lawyers for love say to solve a problem, you need a higher level of consciousness than that which was used to create the conflict. It, that consciousness is based in love and love says, love thy neighbour, and if you can't, we'll show you how. It's a method of self-regulation rather than parenting. This is what we call love is of the essence consciousness or Leotech for short. In these live broadcasts, we're showcasing lawyers globally who are amazingly bringing in their own unique style of love into legal practice. And today, it's my great pleasure to speak with the extraordinary lawyer who also gentles wild mustangs. I love that gentles rather than tames mm -hmm. or any other. I love that word. <laughs> Joe Velasco. Joe works with law in two places. One is her law firm, Windhorse Legal, and the other is her nonprofit, Tapestry Institute. She knew in high school that she wanted to be an attorney. <laughs> she read the book Helter Skelter about the Manson murders and wanted to be a prosecutor and help crime victims, which is, that's amazing. She thought the prosecutor's ability to figure out Manson's motives was amazing. <laughs> In the early years, she gained a wealth of interesting experience. Her life then took an unexpected turn and she left the law for 15 years to work for a non-profit, Tapestry Institute. Tapestry founded, was founded by a Choctaw scientist and educator, and they do work with Indigenous knowledge and with Indigenous worldviews. And because funding can be hard for nonprofits, about five years ago, Jo decided to open a virtual law firm way ahead of her time <laughs> to, to do nonprofit work and also be financially stable and sustainable. She now practices law entirely at her virtual firm, Windhorse Legal, and she also recently started doing legal education at Tapestry about indigenising environmental law. She didn't know that she knew that she didn't want to have a law firm based on the adversarial system. She had worked too long in the nonprofit world and with Indigenous people. She didn't want to go back to that Western culture model that pits people against each other. It's too exhausting in so many ways, and so many people agree with that. It's exhausting financially, emotionally, psycho psychologically, physically, and spiritually. She's a lifelong horsewoman of more than 45 years now, and she's been an equine professional for more than 20. She decided to combine her horse experience with her legal skills and knowledge so that she could practice preventative equine law and hopefully help horse people before problems arose. She doesn't do any litigation. And she says she has the great pleasure and honour of gentling those wild Mustangs. They're amazing horses. So welcome to the broadcast, Jo. It's so amazing to have you here. It's such an unusual um, uh, a perspective in law, uh, bringing, the, bringing the animal kingdom into the, the human world and dealing with them both together. And this is absolutely extraordinary. I love it. So, yes, you, you were inspired by the Manson murders. <laughs> yes. The idea of becoming an attorney. So please do tell me a little bit about your journey okay. from there into, the, into law. 
Well, thank you for having me. I am coming from the traditional lands of the Cheyenne, the Arapaho, and the Lakota here in the way northwestern cor corner of Nebraska. And it was true in high school, I knew I wanted to be an attorney. And then I don't know what possessed me to read Helter Skelter. I was a, an avid reader. And I read that book. And Vince Pugliosi came up with the amazing motive to get Charles Manson and his associates convicted. And it, it basically came down to uh, Manson thought there was going to be a race war and that African-Americans were going to win, but he was a racist and didn't think they were smart enough to run the world. So that Manson and his group would emerge literally from their secret hiding place and run the world. And he, he put that together and got the conviction. And I read that and thought, wow, that's fascinating to be able to do that and to, to help these crime victims. Because the Manson murders were just, they were tragic, they were brutal. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I really want to help people. And many years later, I actually took criminal profiling training and thought, oh, that's what I would have done if it had been around. Um, because that's really, that's some of what he was doing. It's very psychological. And yeah. I went to college, went to Boston College, got a degree in psychology because I wanted to be able to really reach the jury and talk to them about what's going on. You know, my, my heart was really with crime victims, but the DA's office wasn't hiring when I graduated law school. They had a hiring freeze and I had been a student prosecutor. I had done all the mock trials and, and just had loved it. And I was an intern with the Boston Police Legal Office. And they said, we'd love it to have you. We really want you. I'm like, okay, I'll take, you know, I'll take the job, whatever. And it was, it was, was an amazing prosecuted officers after internal affairs um, cases were sustained. I also represented officers in depositions, so they didn't give over crime, you know, secret crime investigative techniques. Um, I worked with the movies, Blo movie Blown Away, with the X Files, so they could use the police logo. I went into district court because you have to have a license to carry a firearm in Massachusetts. So it was, it was all this, this mixture. You know, here I am, fresh out of law school, 25 years old, 10 days after being sworn into the bar, and I'm in court getting yelled at by a judge <laughs> saying, no, you're, you're not going to be able to keep that record. You know, I'm like, oh, I love this job. But it really was. It was it was great experience. And I met great people. And it was really high stress. <laughs> so I stayed there a few years. And then I went into legal editing because I really I really loved law enforcement. And so I wrote basically six law enforcement publications. I took cases. And my cat is going to make an appearance, just so you know. She's right here. I love um, yeah, she's see, she has to say, see, she's like, hi. Um, What's her name? So her name is Soraya. She's she's about 15, and I have her sister, Maya, who will not make an appearance. Um, so I went into legal editing where I was able to take cases and write them so anyone could understand them. So, you know, I would break them down, and, and that, that was interesting, but not compared to being a litigator. <laughs> so during that time period, I actually learned about Tapestry Institute and Dawn Adams who formed it. And I started talking to her and said, wow, you're doing fascinating work. And I'm, I don't want to go into law just to practice law. That's to me, that's boring. And I'm, I'm kind of past the DA's office thing. I don't want to do legal editing anymore. And so she said, well, why don't you come work for us? You know, we, we always have some paperwork that has to be done that I don't understand the lawyer will. And, and I said, yeah, let's try that. I want to see what it's like. And I, I can use my psychology because I loved psychology. I still do to this day. And so I, in 2001, 20 years ago this summer, I actually left Massachusetts. 
Massachusetts, Texas, and went ahead and retired my law license. And that was a huge culture shock from Massachusetts to Texas was just, I loved it, but boy, was it, it was very different. Um, and then I went ahead and worked for Tapestry and I, I still do work for Tapestry. And we've been, we've been all over the place. We had a ranch in this area that had a catastrophic wildfire and we had to leave because of the financial consequences of that. And, um, and I've done a lot of fun stuff with Tapestry too. I've worked with horses, I've gentled Mustangs, um, and now I'm doing a law program there. And then, as I said, five years ago, you know, being a nonprofit has really been hard since the crash of 2008. And there were a lot of nonprofits that just folded and we have done other work to keep us going but I said, you know, I'm a lawyer. Why don't I go ahead and just open a law firm? You know? Yeah. Like that's just easy, you know, <laughs> which yeah, it's easy to open it, but to keep it going is a whole other matter. Um, but I said, let me get back into law. And you know, that way we don't have to worry about these grants that take nine months or two years to get. And, and so unique with what we do, we don't fit into a lot of the places to even get grants. And so that's why I started, I went back into law after 15 years. And when I started looking around, I said, you know, I'm not going back into court. I'm not doing that thing where you stand in court and an attorney um, yells at you because they're unhappy, you know, that you're winning the case or they're trying to one up you. Or I just, I didn't want to do any of that. I had enough of that at the police department. And so that's why I said, let me just do a virtual law firm and just do, do transaction, you know, do transactional law, no litigation. Yeah. It's, and it seemed to me that when you started out, you're really doing the psychology. You wanted to bring the humanity into the system yes. rather than the fight, rather than the, the, the point scoring and all that type of thing, because that's really keeping the human out. And I think it's really yeah. amazing how, you, how you've transitioned from bringing the human in at the beginning and then shifting into horse law. That's yes. just amazing. It's like a head of, it's sort of like a head of where most lawyers are at now, are even trying to bring the human in. You've gone the next level. You've gone next level and really stepped into nature to try and bring some, some, uh, some semblance of intelligence <laughs> and compassion <laughs> into nature. <laughs> yes. I, when, when I, when I started with Tastry, I said, I want to do work with horses. So I did a lot of research on the horse-human relationship, and we do everything with an indigenous worldview, which is very different than Western worldview. And, you know, you, you see animals differently. And so I look at them with their sentience, but also with their sapience, their teachers. You know, when, when I've, I've been a horse professional now for 20 years, I've done clinics for fearful riders, I've done riding instruction, I've trained horses. And when I do it, it's out of that place of... The horse can be a teacher and you're relating. So, you know, how can you reach that horse? And you're not going to become a horse and they're not going to become a human. But where's that where's that space in between where, where you can understand what's going on? And, and mindfulness, for example, has been a huge thing that I've used with horses. Because when you're mindful, you do enter one of those spaces. And when I knew... I wanted to be a professional for 20 years. I've run a horse business. I've worked at a barn. I've been an office manager, a barn manager, a clinician. I mean, I've done all of this. And of course, I'm a private horse person. So I thought this makes perfect sense. You know, I can help with businesses, estate planning, contracts. You know, I can look at your contract and go, oh, no, I know every bad scenario. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been at the barn where the little girl is behind the little pony digging out the hoof going, that's liability right there. You know, it's hard being a horse professional, turning off the attorney 
the attorney voice going, no, no, I'm not the attorney here. But it, it really helps me because when I talk to those clients, you know, they'll say to me, there's something called a pre-purchase exam, PPE. Well, last year, everybody heard PPE and went, you know, oh, COVID. And it's like, no, no, in the horse world, PPE is totally different. And I can talk to people about that. You know, yeah. they can come tell me what their issues are. And I already know them. And yeah, I've always seen the law, I think, as as a, a really human-based profession. You know, I don't like all, all the arguing people get into posturing and you know I can do it I was I was a very good litigator but I don't like it when I have to do it and so you know one of my law school friends said why aren't you doing litigation you're really good at it I said I don't like it you know it makes me sick and my clients they don't get anything out of it I mean there, there's a place for litigation there there are certain areas but I in high school my first horse was killed due to the negligence of someone and we went to court that was my first equine law case actually and we lost and I still remember the trauma of losing it was it was just reigniting that trauma all over again so when people yeah. come to me and say I had a horse and so and so you know leased the horse and the horse died or whatever I want to sue them I say okay step back a minute because one, it's going to take forever now because the courts are backed up. It's going to cost you a lot of money. And emotionally, it, it really, it's going to tear you up. So what do you want out of this? And, and a lot of times they just want a letter sent saying, you know, this happened to me and it was wrong. And are you going to make it right? And then they yeah, feel they like they've been heard. They've said yeah. something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. just, it's just yeah, a that's, of what, yeah. the human wants to be heard. And I don't think, as you say, yeah. you know, it makes you sick. It's like, why? What is the win? What is winning? What is that? You know, effectively, what is the idea of winning? There's, there's no in me because from, maybe from an indigenous perspective, it's all whole. It's all oneness, all connected. Yeah. So yeah. How, yes. how do you win against yourself? You know, it's yeah. it's a very interesting yeah. perspective. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about the indigenous perspectives that you're bringing in. So. Um, what I've done recently, and I just started this about last fall, all of a sudden this, this grew organically from what we do. And I've always been, I've always been marginally interested in environmental law. I was born, my birthday's on Tuesday. So I was born right at the, the height of the beginning of environmental law. And so I started reading it. I've read wild law um, and I'm reading about the rights of nature. And as I read it, as I've been reading it, what came to me is indigenous worldview is missing because the land itself is alive. And that is something that is not recognized in the Western legal system at all in any way, shape or form. In indigenous worldview, it is alive. It doesn't make it better. It's alive. It's all about relationship and reciprocity. And, you know, these past year laws had a place, but it's not making anything any better. We're losing species. You know, climate change is getting worse. We need to bring in that indigenous perspective. We need to bring in, you know, what does it mean when the land is alive? And if you're going to give nature rights, what does that actually mean? You know, who's going to, quote, speak for the river? I know indigenous people that can go on the land and they do ritual and ceremony and they do hear things from the land. They are in relationship. But how do we bring that to the legal community? Because what we're doing isn't working. And if it's not working, we have got to find something else. And the box we're in, it's just, it's not going to get us there. 
So we've got to really move outside the box, which lawyers don't like to do, but we've got to move outside that box and, you know, joining tapestry and coming into indigenous worldview. I am not indigenous to North America. I am European. So I use the phrase that Sean Wilson came up with an indigenous, like um, a man can be a feminist. I'm an indigenous and, and we're all indigenous European millennia back. Um, I, I had to come from Western worldview into indigenous worldview. And of course, I'm still in Western worldview when I practice law. But how could indigenous worldview inform environmental law? What would it mean to indigenize environmental law? What does it mean to recognize indigenous rights? You know, we, we've seen a little bit of it with restorative justice because that came out of an indigenous worldview where people all sit around and the, the person who has done the crime has to realize what he's done or she's done to the community. You know, you've got to realize everybody is affected by that. Well, if we're looking at indigenizing environmental law, what's it mean if the land is alive, really alive? What do we do? Yeah, you know, Rights of Nature and all talks about, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, th this book, um, I don't know whether you've seen that, Sam. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World. That's by Ooh. an Australian Aboriginal, uh, Tyson Yunker-Porter. He talks about closed systems and open mm -hmm. systems. So nature, nature is the open system. And yeah. so there's some beautiful work in here. And something like the law or what what second peoples have created, not the first peoples, the first mm -hmm. peoples create open systems. The second peoples, they've created closed systems. And, yeah. of course, the closed system a subject to the second law of thermodynamics, which says, mm -hmm. you know, that, that this, the energy will become stale effectively. Yeah. It breaks yeah. down because it cannot flow. And, you know, this is, I think, the fundamental yeah. shift that law, the legal system needs to understand is the whole system is stagnant. Yes. It does not flow, so it cannot expand, it cannot grow, and it's actually, I feel, imploding because it's not doing... Yeah, it's, it doesn't relate anymore to people. I think we're, right. we're, we're expanding beyond it energetically. And as you're bringing in the idea of Indigenous views, I think it's absolutely beautiful. No matter where we come from, we can look at other cultures and, and the way things are done and being done. It's like food. It's like, oh, I like what you're cooking. Right. <laughs> can I try that? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's, let's share everything. Let's bring in ideas that are different and give us a new perspective. So yeah, that, that's, and, yeah. that book is amazing. Mm. Well, and a lot of it being done, you know, Canada, especially in BC and Victoria, they're doing Indigenous law, which is looking at the stories that, because indi Indigenous people have law, but the law comes from the land. You know, everything comes from the land. It's not coming from the human mind. So what are you learning from the land? So Indigenous law in Canada is huge. Australia is doing great. Aetiora, New Zealand is doing great. U.S., not so great. <laughs> and we are stuck in that patriarchal system of you know man human creates law and this is how it is but it's not working and we've we have to find a new way and bringing this in and at least opening people's eyes you know i i don't think that i'm going to be the one that changes the law or anything like that but to at least bring this to people so they know there's another way you know, I've read your yeah. book, Kiss All the Lawyers, which I think is fantastic because it shows people, look at all this other stuff that's out there. I mean, yeah. I had no idea that I could do this kind of legal work when I left the police department. I mean, starting then, but it wasn't big. There weren't any virtual law firms because that was like 97, a long time ago. Um, but when I came back into law, 
all of a sudden I found holistic law, preventive law, and I went, wow, look at this. You know, there are all yeah. these lawyers that are bringing who they are to the practice. And and one of the biggest compliments I get, my, my pictures on my website, either I've taken them or they're from Adobe or something, but they, they're mostly animals. Most of the horses are mine. And my profile picture is me and one of my Mustangs, Reboot. Yeah, and yeah love that people picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people contact me and they're like, I saw your picture and I knew I could talk to you. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I can put on the suit. I have all the experience. I can talk all legal jargon, but I want to make law accessible to people so that they're not afraid. Because how many times have we heard somebody say, I know I need an estate plan, but I'm really afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Or, you know, I know I should form a business, but I'm afraid. And it's like, just talk to me. There's no stupid question. You don't have the law degree. I do. But yeah. if I don't know it. I'll go look. Up. So I think it's, it's bringing humanity to law and then... I decide I'm going to try and take it further. Let's go ahead and bring indigenous worldview to law and see where do we go with that? Because who knows what could emerge, especially as more voices come in. You know, rights of nature yeah. was nowhere yeah. on the radar when I practiced law. I mean, yeah, we, that's you know, we, we had had um, Christopher Stone had written about, you know, should trees have standing, but that had pretty much been like, yeah, that's just kind of silly. That'll never happen. But you know, women didn't used to have rights to vote and all of that. And, and so where where can we go? And at the same time, with the way Indigenous worldview works, we're not privileging anybody. It's not privilege. It's relationship and reciprocity. So I think that can go a long way to how we interact with other people, you know, and how we interact with ourselves. That's it. We're not, we, we are not in a vacuum. We are not an individually no. closed system. We are, we <laughs> have to, we exist in relationship to other yeah. people. And this is why, and animals and the state and the, the earth, we, <laughs> we are in relationship to all of that. And we seem yeah. to forget that part. We want to just sort of isolate ourselves from yeah. that uh, perspective, which I think is really odd when you, it's, it's, it's obvious to me, but, but then, you yeah. know, with your, what you just said, it is, yeah, more people are coming into this space and we here, you and I and so many other lawyers we know mm -hmm. that are in this space are making the difference because it's becoming more commonplace. And yeah. as that shifts, it's like what well, we like to call it as like the non-smoking movement. At first, the non-smokers <laughs> were the pariahs. They were, they were uncool. Yep. Like, what are you doing not smoking over there? Yep. And now it's just like you know, look, people looking like, oh, actually, you seem right. to be looking a bit, a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> And so people are thinking, maybe I'll try non-smoking and see what that's right. like. And then, yeah. and then we all basically became non-smokers and there's still some smokers there and they're doing their thing and that's fine. Yeah. But that, I, think this is what's hap I think this is what's happening and it will gather more and more momentum the more and more of us that are talking about it and bringing our yeah. own flavour because there's not one rule about it. It's just all flavour yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, and really mm -hmm. opening up the law because it's it's just – it, it's not that static system where everybody wears their suit and goes into court and, and acts that way. I mean, that, that doesn't work for a lot of women I know. You know, how many women do we know that are in the law profession and they leave? I mean, that was me. I was like, I'm out of here. This does not work for me. And now I can do it my way so that it serves me. And that actually serves my clients. You know, there are clients who they want the big firm. They want the suits. But there are so many that are like, that's not what I want. You know, I want someone who isn't going to talk down to me, who I know is a professional, but is also a real person. And and I had, you know, working with Indigenous people, I saw that relationship. You know, it's not about being in a stuffy office or anything. It's, it's about relating and being humans and saying, how can we help each other, you know, 
the best way possible because we are we're all in this together you know and and movements do take a long time in uvic you know after 14 years they're now getting like an actual indigenous law center okay so you know with, where can I, think, I think the movements are yeah they're, they're getting traction now yeah. i think that more than ever i think the energy is is moving in that direction mm -hmm. and yeah oh gosh yeah i think it's um who likes litigating you know who yeah. really enjoys it they it's it's like maybe a rush for some people to get the win but it's also yeah. disappointing to get the loss so that's a different game it's not actually the law you know really yes. in the litigation part yeah. it's, a, it's a different game it's a game with people rather than uh, uh, looking in the best interest of our clients and the thing is what is missing is as you just said in the perhaps in the bigger firms is People aren't listening to their client. They're telling them. Mm -hmm. They're parenting yes. them. And this is what yes. we're saying in the legal system is what is it's it's a parent and it's telling you what will happen to you. And when you get yeah. into the system, you have no control over, mm -hmm. you don't have to say, you just have to listen and just get the result that you're given at the end of the day. And that's been right. my experience. And, yeah. and I think, yes, our, our clients would prefer primarily to be heard. Mm -hmm. Yes. How can you help me? How can we work together to improve this situation? How can how can we look at this? What I'm what I brought to the table here. Yeah. My life. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. some people that contact me for animal law. You know, cat goes to the vet. Something happens. The vet. You know, the cat dies, and oh, I want to sue my vet. Or you know, it's like, well, let's just look at this. Let's look at the bigger picture. Or you know, I want to contact you because I figured you wouldn't make fun of me. You would understand. Yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah. reading the email crying myself because I've lost animals, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, at my age, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of animals in my life and, and I can, I can feel them. I can feel that empathy, you know, and say, yeah, here's the, here's the empathy part. I feel you. Here's what the legal thing is. Do you really want to do that? You know, if you're going to go to litigation, I can't help you, but what can we do to kind of maybe help that trauma a little bit? You yeah. know, kind of get the know, trauma out of your system. Yeah, that's it. We know hurt people hurt people. So it's like mm -hmm. I'm hurting. I want you to hurt like me yes. rather than saying, why am I actually hurting? Asking yeah. that question. Yeah. Let's let's look at why you're hurting. And some people would say, oh, that's being a psychologist or what have you, and that's not in the scope of the legal profession, but it should be um, yeah. because yeah. we are dealing with humans and their emotions and their relationship yeah. to everything yeah. else. And, well, and we're and counselors. Yeah, that's it. It's not rocket science. It's just no, listening. No. As Freud mm -hmm. said, listening is healing. Listen, yes. just listen. And people will often heal themselves by their story. When you just ask yeah. the question, well, how are you feeling? Well, <laughs> Probably not many people can ask that question. As you know, the, yeah. the criminals, people in, you know, really entrenched in the criminal system, no one cares how they feel. Yeah. 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 And there's even a therapy, you know, narrative therapy where you write out What's going on? What's your story? You know, so many people yeah. want to tell their story and they do. They want somebody to listen. They want somebody and, and somebody to really listen, not to just say, yeah, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. You know, they want yeah. to have that connection and say, oh, well, you know, at least I know that someone heard me. And it's like, yeah, that, you know, that to me is important. I know that rush of litigation. I know that feeling of, yes, I won. But yeah. I also have a feeling of, yes, I lost. And... <laughs> And you're right about the, it's about that adrenaline rush. And I can still feel yeah. that, but then I have to step back and go, you know, that's, it, it's, there's going to be a down afterwards and the client's going to have a down because no amount of money is going to replace that horse or that dog, you know, and is it really going to be worth it for them? And if they realize that, then they can let that anger go. You know, they can let that yeah. trauma go because that, that trauma is held in the system. And, um, 
Vessel Vander Vessel Vanderkolk has a fantastic book. I have it on my desk. The Body Keeps the Score that talks about trauma. And um, it's this book. It's very good. And, you know, one of the main things about trauma is can you talk about it after it happens? You know, or do you have to hold it in and not tell anybody, which a lot of victims of abuse do. So if you've had a trauma of an animal dying or being injured or something, can you talk to somebody about it? And in that, in that counseling, in that talking, saying, what could I do? You know, what am I doing? You know, a lot of what I hear at the animals and horses and all are, what am I doing because of that animal? I let my animal down. Well, if you can talk to someone and say, okay, this is the best I can do, then they can let that go. Because we all have that. You know, an animal dies and it's like, did the animal know how much I love that animal? And of course they did. They're animals. But to be able to talk to an attorney who says, yes, I understand, that to them is just, yeah, they, you know, They, I, I've had so many of them say, oh, I'm crying and I'm this. I'm like, well, you know, I don't want you to cry, but I understand because, you know, I do understand what you're going through, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. But And that is the thing, isn't it? What you say, your, your body holds on to all the emotion mm-hmm. and yeah. emotion is energy in motion and we need to keep it flowing. And instead of reacting and having someone fight for us, you know, stand up yeah. and, and yell at somebody for our problems, we need to experience it ourselves until we do. Yeah. I, I, I relate it to like eating, going for the chocolate. It's like you get that temporary relief, <laughs> then it goes straight to the thighs. Yes. It's like, <laughs> why right. did I do that? Because, yeah, it yep. made me feel good to do that for a moment, but it doesn't get rid of the underlying, you know, feeling, that negative feeling that I'm not not experiencing myself and I do need to experience it and accept it in my life yeah. because it's yeah. who I am. Yeah, we tend to push a lot of that away. You know, we we don't want to feel it because we don't know what to do with it. And, you know, I actually tell my clients, sometimes I'm the person that holds that anxiety too. You know, you file a trademark, you don't know if you're going to get it. Well, I, I, can, I can let that anxiety go through me, whereas a client can't. And, yeah. and being able to know what it is, you know, to sit with it. I mean, I, I do meditate and I've studied Buddhism and, you know, yeah. what, what does it mean to experience that and how do you, how do you handle it? And I really do think that a lot of clients just want an attorney to listen, to truly listen, to know that they're because being heard. The, the trauma comes in the conflict. You mm-hmm. go to the lawyer yeah. with the conflict. This is the trauma on a plate. Here, help me with the trauma, not, yeah. not, with, not with attacking somebody yeah. for the trauma. And I think that's what the really the fundamental difference that we could bring. And, it's, you know, you're doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that. It's just yeah. there's quite a few of us doing that now and realising that this is where the human element comes into it and the connection with humanity is brought back and yeah. we're unifying people rather than separating them. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's beautiful. So yeah. we're, we're about out of time. So I'd like you, if you can, to give um, the listeners, any lawyers out there that are, are wanting to sort of share a little bit more about what they're doing, had, what's your one tip that you would say to someone to bring a little bit more love into legal practice? I would say to really reach down inside yourself and find out what is unique about yourself and what brings you joy that then you can meld with the law. Because too many people are practicing law. They hate it. It's not what they want. They think they're going to find happiness somewhere else. And I have to say from experience, you've got to find out who you are, and then you're going to bring that to whatever you do. It doesn't matter what you're doing, the law, gentling horses, anything. It's it's going to come out. It's been a hard journey for me. <laughs> but yes. that's what I've learned. And I think as attorneys, you know, we're not taught that in law school. And we need to find that. And whether you find that through reading, through meditating, through a therapist, whoever, however, 
Find out who are paying to what you do yeah. and then just craft your that's, law firm the way you want. Yeah. Yeah. Do the law yeah. the way you want to yeah. do it. You have a choice. You have a choice yes. to be authentic yes. or not. And that, that's it. And yeah. I th that's where the happiness really lies is being you, I believe. So yes. that is an amazing tip. I love that. And you, you're living proof of it. So thank you so much, Joe. And I just want to say to any lawyers out there that are listening that want to sh uh, come on the show and show us their particular style of loving legal mm -hmm. practice, we'd love to have you there connection to us is in the description box below. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming on the program. I really absolutely love what you do. Um, it's so unusual and so um, inspirational for a lot of people out there. So thank you so much. And we will see you all again soon. Take good thank care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.